0: Father, thank you for keeping us and strengthening us as you have led us through this study of this book that you've given us to deepen and strengthen our faith, to encourage us, to convict us of sin, to lead us away from death and into life, to bring us to yourself, to bring lost people home, and to help the forgetful remember. And I pray that you would uh, speak through me now to me and to everyone else here, Because we need to hear from you. And I thank you that you are faithful, that you love us, you're with us. Even though you are coming again, you are still with us now. And Lord, in your power, in the spirit that dwells within your people, would you move and work and change and shift and do all the things that you want to do in us for your goodwill. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so in uh, in true Revelation fashion, um, we are going to talk about the seven ways, seven ways that uh, we are waiting, we are called to wait in light of the revelation, okay? So first, um, we are waiting in the hope of faith. These first few verses here of this passage, uh, these words are trustworthy and true, think about that. Everything that John has told us, everything that Jesus has given John to tell us, is trustworthy and true. Everything about evil being destroyed, everything about the new heavens and the new earth, everything about seeing the face of God and him wiping away every tear from the eyes of his people, every vision that John saw, every voice that he heard is trustworthy and true. And Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon pay attention, I'm coming soon, I'm breaking in on this world. Uh, The the heavenly realm and the the physical realm that we can see with our eyes and touch with our fingers, um, those things are not distant. Those universes are not far apart from each other. They're overlapping, they're always intermixed. And Jesus is saying, "I'm, I'm breaking through, the veil is very thin. Things will not always be as they are now. Things that are hidden will be revealed. And the ways that I've revealed these things to you now, they will be revealed even more. In fact, they will become your only reality. And faith will become sight, finally. All of these things are trustworthy and true. And then he says, blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And this is why we've done this. This is why we have preached through Revelation and we have studied Revelation in this way and we've walked through the entire thing. Is because he is saying, I want you to pay attention to every word that is written in this book. And I want you to do so because it is a blessing, because I want to give you hope. I want to strengthen your faith in the words that I've given you. And remember, we said nothing is new in Revelation. It's just brought together and repackaged in a very viscerally powerful way. These visions and these words that John has been given to give to us are to strengthen us and encourage us that everything that God has said through, um, you know, we, we had an earlier passage in Revelation uh, it says that the, the God of the spirits of the prophets, remember the, the way that uh, the Holy Spirit has been talked about in Revelation as the seven spirits of God. What he's saying is that not only is, is this the message that God the Father has given God the Son to give to this angel, to give to John, to give to us, but this also tracks with all of the ways that the Holy Spirit has spoken through his people to write the Old Testament and the New Testament. Every prophecy, everything that has been spoken about what is true now and what is true of what's coming all matches up and it's all one story. And revelation is a powerful bringing together of all of that truth in one place. And so, we can have hope, we can have confidence in what God gives us through his word, and especially in this book of Revelation, because the question becomes, where is the breakdown? If this is not trustworthy and true, where is the breakdown in the chain of delivery of this message? Is it with God the Father? Is it with the one who has created all things and knows all things and his will decides all things? Well, surely nothing is going to surprise Him because He is the one who has created and made it all and ordained what's going to come. So it's not Him. (laughs) Is the breakdown with Jesus, His Son, the one who has come and has perfectly lived in accordance and obedience to the Father's will because He has perfect love for the Father and He's perfectly sinless? There's no breakdown in communication between those two members of the Trinity. And Jesus has, has conquered death by going to death, by being obedient to the point of death and being raised again from the dead to deliver this message. So I don't think the breakdown is there. <laughs> is it with the, the angel? Did the angel confuse something and get something wrong as he was receiving it from Jesus? No, because angels are these perfectly holy and powerful messengers of God who exist to do the will of God perfectly. They are also without sin. So I don't think the, the breakdown is with the messenger. Is the breakdown with John, the one who is... Jesus' beloved uh, apostle, the one who is now in prison, that if if anyone has a, a reason to just give up hope, it's him, because he's serving out a life sentence in this Roman prison island, this work camp. And so why would he make up this story? He has nothing to gain. It's not like false teachers now who who are going to gain followers are going to gain money or going to gain influence. He was stuck, and this was the rest of his life was on this prison island. He had no reason to tell everybody that this was good news and this was true if it wasn't. So this man received this word from Jesus through this angel. And he is a trustworthy deliverer of this message because he's a leader of these churches. He was a pastor to these seven churches. And then, you know, the the letter has come to us and beyond through him. So where does this break down? It doesn't. And if the God of the universe can do all things and and can see his will come to pass perfectly, do, do we not think that he is able to take all of his word that is necessary for his people for all time and bring it together in one place through the Holy Spirit, speaking through various writers, various human writers of his word and compiling it for history to give it to us now. So where is the breakdown? And so I have to ask us this question. If Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Um, that is an encouragement, but that's also a command. And so the question we have to stop and ask, like how we're waiting for Jesus' return, is what is the most, ultimate, most ultimately true truth in my life? Is it my feelings? Is it how I feel? Because those aren't reliable. I can be sad, I can be angry, I can be confused. I can feel all sorts of different things. I can be drawn to things that are unhealthy for me. I can act in unwise ways. I can be ignorant and foolish. So is it my understanding that dictates what's true? Or is it my feelings that dictate what's true? Or is it somebody who professes to be an expert in some area of life? Or is it this message that is perfect and handed down from God the Father himself, the creator of all things? The one who has made us and told us and shown us how to live and is bringing us home to himself. You know, there are different kinds of doubt. And some of those forms of doubt are actually sin. And that's actually good news. Because if if it's sin, then I can repent of it. And I can say, Lord, I am choosing to believe in my own understanding instead of what you tell me. And I don't want to do that anymore. Would you cleanse me of that? And he can answer that prayer. So it's actually good news. And so we need to search our hearts and say, like, is, is the issue that I'm having when I say that I struggle with doubt, is it my refusal to take God at his word? And if so, then that's not a condition. That's not a weakness, that's a sin, and the Lord can meet me in that when I repent of it and give it to Him, and He can work through His Holy Spirit that is powerful to work in me, to change me, and to deepen and strengthen my faith in Him. So first, that's, that's the first way that it changes how we wait. We wait in the hope of faith. The second is that we wait in the joy of faith. I love this. The second part of verse 8 and then verse 9. When John hears and sees all these amazing things, his heart is overflowing. And he is not directly in front of God the Father or Jesus at this point. He is sitting or standing before the angel that Jesus has sent to reveal these things to him. And the things that he is seeing, the things that he is hearing are so amazing that he is overflowing with joy. He is overflowing with awe. He is overflowing with worship. And so he just falls down and begins to worship this angel, this being of light, uh, this strong and incredible and holy being that is also not God. But it's just, it's too much for him. And, And it's just, even to be the one who is giving this news that is so amazing, it's like there's something in him that's like, well, then I just need to worship him, because this news is so good, and then the angel is like, you know, he's been around forever, and he's seen what's happened to uh, Satan, and Satan wanting people to worship him instead, and so I'm sure he's like, no, no, dude, no, 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 get up, get up, get up, we're not doing this, like, I've seen how this has gone down before, nobody's worshiping me, like, I'm not wanting anyone to worship me, but he says, no, 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 worship God. But the reason this angel has to tell John to worship God is because John's heart is overflowing with joy and awe and worship and gratitude for what is true about who God is and how God loves him and what he is doing in the world. And so that, that is true of those of us who are in Christ and who this is, this is our story And so a question for us um, is, is, as we are waiting, um, am I ever allowing what God is telling me to make me childlike? Am I I ever experiencing awe or joy or being out of control and, and be willing to look silly because I'm so overjoyed by what I'm hearing and seeing from what God is doing in my life and in the world? Or am I always guarded? Is there a fear, is there something, a, a, a pride, is there an unwillingness in me to let that out? Even here, like am I just like, I'm only thinking about me and like how I sound and whether I wanna sing, but it's like, am I just always deadpan? Because if that's so, I mean, yeah, we all have different personalities, and we're we're not as emotive as one another, but if that's always the case, then that means something's not right, because this news is so good (laughs) that it makes you tempted to worship the one who is delivering the news, because you've never heard anything like this. You've never heard anything like this. There is nothing that compares to this, and there's nothing, ultimately, that compares to the God who is delivering and making this news true. And he is deserving of worship. And worship is not only what we do in here, but worship is when my heart just overflows, and it makes me laugh, and it makes me shout, and it makes me smile, and it makes me shake my head in like this joyful unbelief of like, I cannot believe that this is true. It makes me tell other people. But it changes me, it affects me. It's not just this information that's coming in and being processed. It really affects me, and it fills me with joy. That doesn't mean that we're going to be experiencing joy 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but if I never experience it like this, then that means that that something is, is not getting through. The third way that this leads us to wait is we wait speaking the words of faith. Look at verses 10 through 13 here the angel tells John, don't seal up these words. Do not seal up these words. These words are not meant to be hoarded and put on a shelf or locked away. These words are meant to be shared. The reason that Jesus is giving John these visions that become the book of Revelation is for him to share them with his brothers and sisters who are also living in the Roman Empire, who are also experiencing deep suffering and deep persecution. And Jesus is saying, you need to know what's true now, and you need to know what is going to come to pass, definitely, so that you can be strengthened. So John, don't seal up these words. And people of God who hear these words, don't seal up these words. We need to be sharing them with one another so that we can strengthen each other because our faith needs strengthening. We need encouragement. Because without strengthening and without encouragement, all that we're left with is despair. And so these words are not meant to be read once and sacked away. These words are meant to be shared with one another, to remind each other what we consistently forget over and over and over again. That God is good, he is here, he is coming. And we don't just share these words with one another, we share these words with the people that God has put in our lives who are all around us, who do not know him. Y'all listen to this. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Jesus is saying like he's been saying in multiple places throughout Revelation there's a day coming when I'm returning. And remember we talked about how the reason we have all these like the seven plagues, the seven scrolls, you know, all these sevens, and then we always kind of stop before the seventh and then we break into something else. And it's like, man, why, what is all this delay? All this delay is the love of God for his creation, saying that I don't want anyone to perish. And so the reason that there's all this delay and the reason that we are still drawing breath right now, and the reason that God has put us where He's put us in places that sometimes are hard, surrounded by people who don't know Him in our neighborhood, in our school, in our family, in our wherever we are, is because we are not to seal up these words. We are to bring these words of life to the people around us to introduce them to the one who is life, so that when Jesus returns, bringing his recompense with him, bringing the repayment to everyone for what they have done, that they will not be weeping, but they will be rejoicing because what they've done is they have put their faith in him and how he has loved them and what he has done for them, and that they will celebrate with him and be loved by him for all eternity. Now, no one's salvation rests on any of our shoulders. That's not what I'm saying here. But what I am saying is um, he has put us in places in the world so that we can be around people who don't know him to bring these words of life to them because that's how he works in the world many, many times to bring people to himself as it's through his children, that we are vessels of his good news for the world. And so he tells us, do not seal up these words. It made me think of, uh, there's this passage in Ezekiel 3 where there's so much drawn from Ezekiel in Revelation. And God tells Ezekiel, go to your people and tell them what I say, whether they hear or refuse to hear. I don't care if they hear or refuse to hear when I'm talking to you, because what I'm telling you to do is to go to your people. That means these people, the people who are your brothers and sisters, go to your people with my words to strengthen and encourage them. And go to your people who are the people of your school, of your work, of your neighborhood, of your family, Go to your people and you tell them what I've said. You tell them what is true, whether they refuse to hear or not. Because that's what he's saying in this passage, uh, or in verse 11, where it says, let the evildoers still do evil, and let the filthy still be filthy. What, that word filthy just means you're really good at basketball. No, it doesn't mean that. It means let the people, like people are gonna hear this and refuse to hear. Let, let, that's all gonna happen. Let that happen. But people are gonna hear this Let the righteous still do right and the holy still do holy. Some people will hear, and that makes it worth it. And when we get so hung up on our reputation or what people think about us, that is ugly, that is pride, and that is from the dragon. That is not from our father. Because we have everything we need in him. We're gonna talk about that in January. We have everything we need from him, and so we're going out with our pockets full. And we're just handing out the good news, and we might get rejected. That's okay. It's not really us that's getting rejected anyway. It's Jesus. And they can deal with that. Like, they're going to have to deal with that. But what we are going to have to answer for is, why did I not share this? Why did I not? Why did I seal this up? When it is good news that you're sending me out into the world with, so that, yes, you can bless these people that will hear it, and that will turn, and that will come to you, but also so that I will be blessed, Like, there's nothing like watching someone respond to Jesus and being in a front row seat for that. Like, all the things that we think we desire, I'm telling you, nothing compares to that. Absolutely nothing. So we wait, speaking the words of faith. The fourth way that we wait is we wait in faith and repentance. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. This whole idea of washing robes uh, points back to this prophecy in Zechariah, and it's this scene that God gives Zechariah where um, uh, Joshua the high priest is standing in a heavenly courtroom, and Satan is there, and he is accusing him And Joshua is the high priest. He's representing all of God's people before God, before the throne. And Satan is pointing at him and yelling accusations, saying, look at him. Like, he is the great high priest? Okay, he is filthy. He is filthy with sin. So much less all the people that he represents. If he is, in effect, the best of what your people have to offer, he is disgusting. He is covered with wickedness and filth and evil and sin. And so listen to this. Now Joshua was standing before the Lord. Oh, and then it says the Lord rebukes, not Joshua, but Satan. And tells Satan that Joshua and all of God's people have been chosen by him. And then it says this, Now Joshua was standing before God, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel of the Lord, who is a pre-incarnate Jesus, says, Remove the filthy garments from him. And he said to Joshua, behold, I have taken your sin away from you and I will clothe you with pure robes. What this is pointing to, blessed are those who wash their robes, is blessed are those who have experienced this transaction, where all we bring to the Lord is our filth. We are covered in filthy rags. We are covered in the filth of our pride and our self-focus and our self-worship and self, 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 everything. And all we're doing is standing there, being accused by Satan. And Satan, by the way, is telling the truth. Look at this person. Can you believe all the things that they have said? Can you believe all the things that they have done? Can you believe all the ways that they have thought? Like, and the Lord says... I know, and that's why I have come on their behalf. Jesus is saying, that's why the Father has sent me, because he loves you, and that's why I've come, because I love the Father, and I love you, and what I've done to take away your filthy garments and put you in clean garments is I have initiated the great exchange, and that is where I take all of your sin in, not just onto myself, into myself, And I am hung up on a cross, the most shameful, excruciating death, so that all of God's wrath can be poured out on sin, and all of the sin of God's people can be dealt with once and finally and for all. And then the Holy Spirit can come and dwell in you and make you new and give you my righteousness. I have taken your sin, your filthy garments, and have given you my righteousness, my robes that have been washed. And get this, so that you may have the right to the tree of life. Y'all, when we are in the new heavens, the new earth, it is not going to just be like cowing down and cowering and like, like, okay, yeah, I don't want to like make any mistakes because I'm barely here. No, no, no. No, we have the right now because of the blood of Jesus. We have the right to eat from the tree of life. That is our tree. And it says, you will also, uh, so you can enter the city by the gates. You're not gonna have to climb over a wall. You're not gonna have to sneak in. This is your home. Because of what Jesus has done for you, the new heavens and the new earth is our home. We have a key. We get to walk in the front door. We get to walk in the back door. We get to walk in wherever we please. Because this is our home, because of what Jesus has done for us. He is the descendant of David. That means he is the savior and ruler of his people. He is the bright morning star, which means he is that light that appears in the night to promise and and give hope and confidence that morning is coming. Even when it is dark, morning will come. Because the bright morning star, who is our Jesus, has appeared And so now, the life we live, the way we wait with faith and repentance, is what Jesus is telling Peter in the upper room on the night that he's betrayed when he's washing his disciples' feet, and Peter's like, no, 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 you can't wash me. And then Jesus says, hey, if I don't wash you, you're not going to be clean. And he says, well, then wash all of me. And here's what Jesus says, the one who has bathed, the one who has new robes because of their faith in me, does not need to wash except his feet, because you're still moving around. (laughs) in this world, and and that's this life of daily faith and repentance, is I can repent to Jesus. I can have him wash my feet on a daily basis because I am in need of that, because I'm living in this world. I'm still in this body of sin, but I, I don't come to him in repentance out of a slavish fear because I'm already clean. He says that. You're already clean. You already belong to me, but you're walking with me and letting me continue to change you into my image. And that's this life of faith and repentance that he calls us to. This fifth way that that we wait in light of the revelation is we wait in the desire of faith. Look at verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. What he's saying here is, you know, the Spirit dwells in us, and it's, it's like the Spirit is the Lord who is in us, and we are the bride of Christ. We are waiting. We are engaged right now. We are waiting to be married to him and experience all the fullness of that marriage. And what he's saying here is, like, as, as a, a, a newly married couple that is at the airport on, their, on a layover waiting to go to their honeymoon, like, don't worry about the airport being perfect. You're not staying here. <laughs> if given the choice, get on the plane and go to where your honeymoon is so that you can experience the fullness of marriage with each other. But so often, that's how we live. It's like, man, I wish this airport seat was a little more comfortable. And, and, I, and I'm just trying to like put up new wallpaper in the airport bathroom. It's like, no, no, no. We're not living here. We're not staying here. This place is our home for now, but it's not our home, like our real home. This is not our destination. This is not where everything comes together. And so because of that, it only makes sense that the Holy Spirit in us is like, Jesus, come on. And and the bride is like, come on. Like you remember when Evan preached through um, chapter 19 of the the wedding supper of the lamb and talked about what happened in this culture It's like they would get engaged and then the, the man would go off to build a room onto his father's house and then come back and get the bride and bring her to her new home. And that's, Jesus said, that's where we are in the story right now. And so why would we be excited to stay at our old house? But we're praying, praying, Jesus, come, come Lord Jesus. That's what John is saying. The one who has seen all these things firsthand It's like, man, if you see everything the way that I see it, you'd be praying all the time for him to hurry up and get here. Like, come, Lord Jesus. And he's saying that through his spirit. The spirit says, come. He's excited. He doesn't want to wait any longer than he has to for the Lord's will to be perfectly carried out in all of human history. So he's like, come on. Come on, Father. And the bride is saying, come. And then the one who hears. And maybe some are hearing like this for the first time right now. To the one who hears, come, Lord Jesus. Like, if this is who you are and this is what's true, come into my life. I want to be a part of that. Come, come now. Anyone, everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters and drink freely without price. So we have to ask ourselves as we think about waiting like this am I satisfied with this world? Am I satisfied with the airport? And for those who are in pain right now to say thank you. Because if we cannot be dissatisfied with the world, if we cannot feel the brokenness of this world, then we can't pray this prayer and and say, come. (laughs) Like, this is what I want. I don't want this anymore. So thank God for showing us the cracks in the foundation of this world so that we can desire what's coming and be prepared for what's coming. Don't pray for a better airport lounge. Pray for home. And if you've refused to come to him till now, then come. Okay. The sixth way that we wait is in the obedience of faith. Verses 18 and 19 here. This warning, I warn everyone who hears the words of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to them the plagues in this book. If anyone takes away From these words, God will take away his share in the tree of life in the holy city. What is he saying here? What he's saying is that false false religion works in both directions. False religion can happen when I add things to the gospel. Paul dealt with that in his letter to the Galatians and many other places. People were creeping in, and it wasn't just this good news to everyone in Jesus. It was that plus all these other things. And False religion can go in the other direction where we cut things out that we don't want to obey and say, no, yeah, it's, it's basically this, but it's not going to be this other, these other things that Jesus said because I don't really feel like obeying that because underneath adding and subtracting, underneath all of this is false religion. It's paying lip service to God without loving him and worshiping him from our hearts. And in both ways, we are trying to put distance between us and him because of our own pride so that we can worship ourselves and not him. And he's saying, yeah, people who live like that and make a practice of living like that, they don't really know me. And they won't be with me because they're not my people. Because my people know me and love me and want me to come to them and they want to hear my voice and obey. Not perfectly, but that's the trajectory of their lives because the Holy Spirit is living in us and doing something new in us. So here's a question for us. Well, I want to say this too. In Romans, multiple times Paul refers to this idea of the obedience of faith. In 1 Peter 1 and 2, it says God chose us that we would be obedient to Jesus Christ And in Matthew 15, 8, Jesus says, these people honor me with their mouth, but their hearts are far from me. So the question for us here is when we encounter an impasse between our will and Jesus's calling in our lives, which one breaks? Which one breaks? Because we will come to those impasses. We will come to those forks in the road where what I want does not match what he wants for me. Will I let him change me or not? And that is a good reflection of where I really am. And that is why, as Evan said, membership matters so deeply because we all constantly add and subtract to God's word. Have mercy on us, Lord Jesus. And that is why we need each other because I need you to be my eyes and my ears to speak into and be his voice in my life and say, hey man, like what you're saying right now and what you're doing is not good. Like that is not from him. And, and you need to check, check what's going on here. Because <laughs> without that, we are toast. That is why this matters. That is, that is why people raise their hands and say, I am covenanting to God by being a member here so that I am locking myself in to people to perform that function for me. And that is so, so deeply necessary. So I would ask, again, if if you are not a member here, but this is your home, um, I would encourage you, I would ask you to either move toward that process or if there's some reason that you're like, nah, this isn't it, then like you need to find somewhere that is it. Because to just be and float around the edges and not be known is you're fooling yourself. Like that's nothing good's happening there. Finally, the last of seven points on the last chapter of Revelation and the last chapter of Scripture. It's, it's going to be a letdown from my end of things, but not from God's word. We wait by the grace of faith. Verses 20 and 21 here. Paul wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. They all begin with grace and peace. Y'all, when you are in Jesus, all that you can expect from your heavenly father is grace. Grace, 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 and peace. Peace. You don't ever have to fear condemnation. You don't ever have to fear the Lord thinking of you in any way other than the way that He thinks of His precious Son, because you are covered in His blood. And even when He comes to us and it comes to us in correction and discipline, it's, a, it's as a loving Father. Our relationship with Him is never on the lines. Jesus is saying, "Hey, I am certainly coming soon. You can be certain of this." The way things are now is not the way that they will always be. And I am telling you, me, your Savior, himself, I'm telling you, this is certain. In fact, three times, to make it perfect, to make it comprehensive, three times in this passage, in this epilogue, Jesus says, behold, I am coming soon. It's complete, it's finished, it's trustworthy. And the grace of the Lord rests on his people forever because of the finished work of Jesus the loving will of the Father, and the continuing, perfecting, maturing work of the Holy Spirit in us. We are not loved by God because of what we do or don't do. We are loved by God because of what he has done and what he is doing in us and for us and through us. John ten twenty eight. Jesus says, In me, my people will have eternal life, and no one will be able to snatch them out of my hands, including themselves. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is coming and he is with us now in the waiting. He is strengthening our faith. So let us go out with ever increasing joy and peace and a love for him and for one another and for this world where he's placed us. Father, thank you for this book. I am... Sad uh, that this is over. And I'm also relieved <laughs> because it's a lot. But I am sad and I'm deeply thankful for the way that you have worked in me and in, in the lives of my brothers and sisters here. And um, I pray that this book would not be forgotten. I pray that this book would become a a favorite devotional for each of us to come back to very frequently for you to use as a powerful weapon in our lives for your good purposes. Lord, thank you for all of your blessings. Continue to bless us as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.